My name is uh, Jay Darris Mitchell. I'm an ecological science fiction writer from Austin, Texas. And I'm here to talk about bugs, birds, plants, and the books I write. This is a continuing episode of a series with Jay Darris Mitchell about his book series, Interstellar Spring. Um, the genre for this this series, what would you call it? Is it, it doesn't sound dystopian to me, but it might. That's something that I think about. I've, I've heard the genre solar punk, I think maybe this fits into, where it's like a more hopeful, maybe it's, it's almost like post-dystopian or something, but it tries to be more hopeful. So like, I definitely want it to be. So it's like, it's these books, I think they're a lot of fun. And so there's a lot of humor in them. They're, they're very much facing problems and trying to solve problems. Like there's not a lot of, yeah, like despair and doom and gloom. Um, and so, so I, I'm trying to go for that sort of more hopeful, yeah, more hopeful thing. So I think that's solar punk. I don't know. Genres are tough. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with solar punk either, I, but it sounds, uh, I'm thinking when I think solar and then punk, I'm thinking punk people are tend to be low lives with high tech uh, capabilities. So, uh, but I, I'm not quite hearing that. I, 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 I don't know if I have a word for this one. I would, it sounds like it's a adventure in space, a lot like Star Trek because they're going to, well, each book is a different planet. It sounds like, is that right? Yes, totally. Yeah. So yeah, maybe like eco sci-fi or eco yeah, adventure probably. sci-fi or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think it's cool that you have the same goal with botany. I mean, I could see, if you can tap into that part of the market that's really passionate about that, like uh, maybe if you live near a university and do uh, reading to attracting attracting the uh, right you know science departments, this would be really cool. Like or or maybe there's some meetups that are are ecologically oriented, and there will be like the people who care about the environment or people who care about. I don't know if there's meetups for people about biology, but there probably are. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with meetups. Yeah, I volunteer for this Capital Area Master Naturalist Group. That's right. And so every year we do a fundraiser for for the organization to to be able to do events and things like that. And so I've I normally auction off a set of these books at that organization. <laughs> And there's always someone that's like very into biology that's like, I want these books. And other people are like, what? What is this? We're trying to work outside. There's one, there'll be one lady who's like, oh, I, I want to grow all the plants. This is perfect for me. So that's a fun place to go. That's something that I've really liked about being an author is starting in 2019, I guess. It was our, uh, I started going to writer conventions and comic book conventions and just getting myself out there and getting it, renting a table and, and meeting people. And I really, really love that process. And I was just felt like I was really starting to build a lot of momentum and I was getting a lot of people on my contact list. And then the pandemic struck <laughs> yeah. and I was like, Oh, don't want to go to uh, indoor places with thousands of people anymore. So that that part of my career has kind of been on pause. But that was something that I really liked was was going and and meeting with different people and different groups of people because you never find you always it's always so interesting to me to find how just different people like different things. Like you you never I never know who to expect 
like who, who's going to like it. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's such a fascinating thing to me is to meet all the different kinds of people that like just different sorts of work and fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's fresh. I, I like that. All right. Let's see here. Do you have a 10 minute reading you want to do? Interstellar spring takes place. And it starts with Catalina at, and she's, she's recruiting Roman Jupiter, her ex-boyfriend. And so one time at one of these shows, I met a podcaster and he asked if I'd ever wanted to write a podcast. And I never say no to these kind of things. <laughs> He's like, yes, of course. And I, I immediately knew what I wanted to do. And so I, I wrote a prequel to this, which is basically how Catalina and Roman met and how they fell in love. And, you know, spoiler, but he ends up the ex-boyfriend. So we, we get there. <laughs> and so it's a six episode show. We, we, he, we, we got actors, we did sound effects, wow. we did the whole thing. It's, I, I, there's no narration. It's all done in dialogue. I'm, I wrote, I think I wrote a pretty good script and then the actors and, and, and Flavio who did all of the sound just transformed it into something that I'm really, really proud of. So I would love it if you could share the first 10 minutes of episode one. That's what I'd really like to share with your audience is that audio drama because I'm, I'm really happy with it <laughs> all right well here's the uh, audio drama interstellar sunrise episode one fireflies and waterfalls This is First Officer Catalina Mondragon. It is Interstellar Standard 98.3, Day 6. It's a, it's getting dark and I'm running away from the R.L. Carson's pickup point following Ensign Jupiter. Call me Roman. I have activated my recorder, despite not currently being on an official mission, because I wish there to be a record if we get left behind! Now, there's no way that Julius is going to leave the Institute's little protege. We'll be fine. Heads up! You're supposed to refer to him as Captain McLean, not Julius. And obviously you don't know him as well as I do. Do you need a hand? Thank you. And I have a feeling, no, call it what it is, the inkling of something fantastic, that he will be absolutely interested in the scientific discovery at the end of this jungle. You mean some sort of never-before-seen rash? Look around us, Ensign. Half of these plants haven't been properly identified. Some of them look like they're practically dripping with oils. We shouldn't be here without a botanist. I mean, that creeping ivy has purple leaves. Who knows what has evolved here in the last hundred years? And if you don't think that Captain McLean won't hesitate to discipline me well. A fair point, First Officer, a fair point. Now, I don't know what we've been running through, and gods of mulch forbid I smudge our captain in training's perfect record. I am an entomologist, and my interest in plants goes only so far as how they affect my friends, the arthropods, which is why I have to do this. As for the captain, well, he's not that bad when he's angry. Something I noticed you've been testing since you've been aboard. And went on away missions. Ensign! The charter take you, Jupiter. Get back here! Call me Roman! Harry, disrespectful. You're going to force me to submit this recording! I'm counting on it. 
You might not know me very well yet, but you should know that I hate making those stupid recorders things. <sighs> Still following things in Roman. I mean, Jupiter. Through the jungles of Despierto. We are bearing southwest. I think. It's a bit hard to tell because the canopy is well developed where we are. Close to 20 meters tall. Mostly cottonwood, unsurprisingly. Though local conditions have forced the original specimens to mutate larger leaves. Undergrowth is thick as well. Usual suspects, dandelions, kudzu is doing well. Healthy ecosystem, which of course our botanist officer Relcor already established, but hey, what's the point of conserving the last of Institute's resources or respecting nearly a century's worth of protocol? For the record, that was sarcasm. You hear that? Oh, and apparently it's late enough local time that the crickets have begun to chirp. Which, of course, means we should have been back at the Carson for launch at least 30 minutes ago. No, not the Grylidae, though you have noticed that there's only three species here, and yet they're filling most of the audible range of sound. Now, how's that for an adaptation? Helps the plants, you know. No one is calling into question your skill as an entomologist. In fact, given that Captain McLean's orders were to collect samples of the local crickets, I'm sure you already have samples back aboard the ship. What I'm wondering is why we're out here right now. You'll see. That's not good enough. Okay. Look, I... I can't mess up, okay? You know who my father was. Everyone I've ever met knows who my father was. I can't fool around. Not with that kind of scrutiny. Not if I'm going to be captain of the Artemis when it's finished being built. Cat... I don't think the Master General Ecologist of the whole damn Institute could stop you from becoming captain of whatever ship you please. You don't even know me. You've been on the Carson for a week, and most of your time has been spent out here collecting insects. And, for the last time, you're supposed to address me as Officer Mondragon. The Institute is clear on this matter. If you look at Charter, Section B, Bylaw 6-34... <laughs> like you said, your reputation precedes you was unfair. <laughs> I'm sorry, but hey, at least you live up to the rumors. I mean, who else would quote Section B of the Charter in a mysterious jungle that's getting darker by the second? <laughs> You're the real deal, just like your dad is. Was. Just because he's dead doesn't mean he's not your dad. I... We need to get back, okay? If it's not the crickets, then what? Listen. I don't hear anything. All of you, shut up! How did you... Now do you hear it? Is that running water? More like falling. Come on! Roman, damn it! Roman! Comms are still jammed. Roman, this isn't safe! Ah, uh, Cat, you made it. You have no right to call me that. Farrah does. Officer Relcor has known me for years, and will be the first to tell you that I have written her up for the exact same infraction you insist on committing. But you're still friends with her, so uh, it sounds worth it to me, Cat. My name is Catalina Solaris Jao Mondragon. Not Cat! Okay, sorry. I guess you really should call me Ensign X then. Not Roman. I only called you that because you insisted... Never mind. 
Are we here for a waterfall? It's not even a unique feature of the planet. They're an effect of a healthy hydrosphere in the mountainous terrain. I think it's a bit more beautiful than its constituent parts, but you are correct in thinking that we're not here for the waterfall. Then why? We need to go, and I want to shower. My uniform's a mess after running through that jungle, and I'm probably covered in irritants. Just wait. Instant Jupiter. Roman's fine. Really, I prefer it. Fine. Roman. We don't have time to wait. Captain McLean is not above going to orbit and making us catch a ride up. If that happens, we could be fined. Or if a code orange or higher comes up, we could be left behind. Shh, 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 shh. It's starting. What's starting? Uh, oh. Oh, wow. Come on, sit down. How. how did you know? That the fireflies would be here? They're on every planet I've been to. Where did you think the ones in the lab came from? And you knew there'd be so many? There must be, what, 10,000? More like 100,000, and no, they're, they're normally not in such numbers. I noticed their larvae. I figured they'd emerge on the next full moon. It's... They're beautiful. I know. You took samples? Of course. But I didn't think it would do it justice. No. No, it wouldn't. You notice how they blink in unison like that? How could you not? Like one signals and all the rest respond. A heartbeat outside a heart. A community without end or start. Oh, gorgeous Lampyridae, your kind always finds a way. Was that poetry? Not very good poetry, obviously. No, I liked it. So, Solaris, huh? There's not any protocol against nicknames, right? I guess not. And what you said earlier was true? You've seen these on multiple planets? Every one I've been to. Not as many as the great Mondragon's daughter, obviously, but yeah, there's always fireflies. As far as I know, fireflies weren't on the Institute's original seed pods. Well, they definitely weren't on the seed pods, or not officially, anyway. They're not in the release records, either. You must be mistaken. I didn't see them in the records for this planet, but I'll admit paperwork's not really for me. Ready? Yes, thank you. And, Roman, you were right. This is the exact kind of thing the Institute for Organic Expansion needs to know about, especially with dwindling funds. Stuff like this excites people into paying their dues. I... well, I feel I owe you an apology. No need to apologize, Sola. <laughs> uh, where are you going? The ship is away from the waterfall, Roman. Roman! Roman, put your clothes back on! I thought you said you needed a shower. I'm the ship! <laughs> well, the ship's water pressure sucks. Especially compared to a waterfall. Insane Jupiter, get back here. This is breaking every protocol. Oh, come on. The water's warm. And this isn't breaking any protocols. It most surely is. We are only supposed to wear the uniform while working on missions for the Charter. Why do you think I took it off? Now, come on, I'm not getting out until you get in. I won't peek if that's what you're worried about. I, for the love of the Charter, puppy, forgive me. This is Captain Julius McLean speaking. Interstellar Standard 98.3, Day 6. It is 21.30 ship's time, five minutes past our rescheduled launch time. And I am about to rip the head off of my first officer. 
Captain, I can explain. Can you? I sort of want to see you try, but let's be clear. There's quite a lot of explaining to do. Why both of your hair is wet for starters, then the state of your uniforms. To me, it looks like you had a nice little roll in the grass, but I'm sure there's a more plausible explanation than a first officer's, let's call it fraternizing with an ensign. When you're done with that, I also need to know why in the name of Mary, Mother of Jesus, you allowed the ensign to bring more samples despite already completing our survey of the entomological profile of this ball of weeds. Yes, sir. Of course, sir. See, Ensign Jupiter was... It is with respect to your father's memory that I say this, but First Officer Mondragon, I don't give a wet shit about Ensign Jupiter. Ensign Jupiter is a nobody. I have no idea why he's on my ship. Probably because enrollment for the Institute is way down and he's the best they could manage. Thank you for the compliment, sir. Don't press your luck. Sir, Ensign Jupiter's entomological skill is remarkable. Which would be fantastic if... I wasn't an entomologist, and hadn't been one since Ensign Jupiter was still crawling around the walls of the Burb Dome. Excuse me, sir, did you say a Burb Dome? For the sake of the fairies, didn't he tell you? Ensign Jupiter grew up in a corporate Burb Dome. Everything he knows about the outside world he learned in the last two years. Well, that's not entirely accurate, sir, for you see, Burb Domes are more porous than the brochures make You have see. not been given permission to speak, Ensign, and seeing as how I've already written up the report outlining your uselessness, I would advise you to shut the hell up and let your first officer explain this mess, or I hit send. But of course, Captain Julius. First Officer Mondragon? Uh, well, you see, sir, there we were. At the foot of the waterfall. And how did you get to said waterfall? I sent you in the ensign to pick up samples, not lead you on a wild goose chase. It it was all my... Loyalty, sir! It was all Roman's loyalty. Roman's loyalty. Uh, That is Ensign Jupiter's, sir. You see, he was packing up the samples, as you ordered, when he mentioned something about fireflies. Fireflies? Lampyridae. I know the God's damn family. Just so we're clear, I actually saw the damn things in the wild before they went extinct on Earth. Truly? But you don't look that old, sir. If we weren't about to take off. We've seen them too, sir. I've seen the additions the ensign brought on board when he first joined us. If they weren't so damn rare, I'd eject them into the void myself. But if you're going to give me the damn runaround, we'll just figure all this out when we get to Bubble. Show him the samples, Ensign Jupiter. Where did you get these? The jungle, sir. There were thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. Let me see those. There weren't any fireflies included on the 51 seed pods that started the terraforming process on the seeded worlds. And unless I'm mistaken, there's no record of entomologists releasing them. We both know damn well you're not mistaken. Jesus, they're... They're beautiful. (laughs) That light, that's... It's like the color of wheat back on Earth. I'm sorry, it's before your time. Where did you say you got them? 
Near a waterfall, sir. Thousands of them. Roman led me right to them. He did, did he? Sir, we are um, cleared for launch. All right. Well, First Officer Mondragon, you have a ship to pilot. Ensign Jupiter, take these specimens to the library. Uh, log them in and make sure they have an adequate habitat. It would be unfortunate to lose something so... So beautiful? I was going to say unusual, but just log the damn specimen. Sir, yes, sir. Ensign Ikuman, prepare the ship's systems for launch. We're on our way. And Catalina? Uh, yes, sir. It's good work out there. This is exactly the kind of stuff your old man was interested in. He'd be very proud of you. Sir, thank you, sir. If there is nothing else? Nope, not at the moment. You've got a ship to fly. Captain McLean, out. This is First Officer Catalina Mondragon, Standard 98.3, Day 6, 2142 ship's time, preparing for launch. Ensign Mizuyama, ship's fuel system appear functional? Yes, sir, and please, I prefer Ensign Ikamo. Now is not the time, Ensign. <sighs> yes, sir. Organic fuel gauges show full. Plas glass panels are in launch mode. Initiating library checks. <coughs> Officer Relcor, your status? Plants are secured for vertical takeoff. Germinated cottonwood seeds from Despierto are looking healthy. We're recording their vitals during launch. As per captain's orders to ensure they'll survive. Even though my family proved they do 99% of the time. Unless the Relcors have somehow developed an interest in anything but growing rich off of hungry people... They will stay out of my ship's log, officer. Without Earth 4, none of the Earths would eat fresh Carson vegetables, Killer let alone... Proceed, First Officer. Ensign Jupiter, your status? Doing fine, Sola. Thanks for asking. I was about to get in the shower. Sola? We are initiating launch procedures. What is the status of the entomological library and the new specimens? Oh, uh, the fireflies are doing wonderfully. I set up a little trickling water for them, and they're already illuminating. Fireflies? They're secured? Yes, sir. Launch. I'm not sure that Ensign Jupiter is properly secured, sir. Only an idiot wouldn't be. Launch. Now. That's an order. Sir, yes, sir. All systems go. We are spacebound in three, two, one. Are you all right? Ignore him. Yes, sir. 200 meters and climbing. 300. Five. We're at a kilometer. Two kilometers. Four. Scent looks good. Speak for yourself. Carson, kill his damn calm. Fuel systems appear nominal. We're clear of Despierto's gravity well. Good launch. I'll be in my quarters, amending my report and attempting to salvage your career before it starts. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Launch sequence completed. Ensenicomon, you have the bridge? Uh, yes, sir. It's a little bigger than a shuttle, though, you know? This is nothing. Wait until they finish the Artemis. You really think I'll get to come, too? I don't see why not. Captain McLean's counting the days to retirement, and this ship's old enough to be decommissioned. Besides, with enrollment being what it is, they often pair captains with crew they're familiar with. 
That is, if I actually earn my rank. <laughs> if even a runaway turned plumber turned marine biologist has heard of you, I do not think the Institute will stop you. Having a reputation just means I have to live up to it. Of course, sir. And if you do make it, you'll be taking all of the crew? Officer Ralcor, despite her temper, is a more than competent botanist. I know the captain holds her family's background against her, but I see a childhood spent growing a planet's worth of crops as an asset, not a liability. Plus, I wouldn't want my marine biologist to get heartsick. Hmm. Thank you, sir. But I wasn't referring to Farah. Ending recording. Standard 98.3, day 7. Uh, it's early. Starlight pouring into my room. I have a poem for you. <clears throat> Glowing warrior of the cosmos, little fireflies who do the utmost, all four Earths you fly and you flit, plus every planet I have alit. How did you get there? How doth thou come to be? Did another ecologist leave you there for me? Or did you cling to the side of a ship from someone's collection you might have slipped? Truth be told, I don't much care. Lay your eggs, I'll put them here and there. Did another find you? For your beauty, do they thirst? Or, in the end, were you there at the first? I hope you liked it. Oh, for the love of Vanessa Cardui, you're turning that thing on now? Oh, I thought that was only supposed to be for official ship's business. This is official business. And, um, who is Vanessa? A painted lady, if you must know. A painted lady? Yes, I wrote my graduate work on her, but I don't see what significance a butterfly has to our dinner. I, for one, was looking forward to dinner with you. A butterfly? Oh, duh! Vanessa Cardui is the scientific name for a butterfly, not a woman. <laughs> Correct. And, oh, is she gorgeous. The most common group of butterflies on Earth one, you know, or they were before... Right, yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. I mean, this isn't about a butterfly. And it's not about the salad in front of us. No. No, it's not. Look, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I've been going over your work on the fireflies you found, and... Well... Do you like it? Be honest, I can deal with the criticism. Ship's logs aren't for poetry recitations. And romantic dinners lit by starlight with actual fresh produce and scheduled at that magic hour just before we drop the bubble drive aren't for ship's logs either. Look, I just have a few questions. I would have come by the lab, but you're never there when I'm off shift. So, so this isn't a date? It can be? Look, I just have some questions. Standard 98.3, day 10. Firstly, how did you know the fireflies would be near the waterfall? Lucky guess. Can we talk about work after our meal? I mean, there's shredded carrots on this thing. So it's true, then. You really grew up in a burb dome. Yes, it's true. And yes, all there is to eat is clean meat, iceberg lettuce, and bread products, which is why I really appreciate a good salad. Well, what was that like? I mean, living in a burb dome. Horrible. I mean, you've been to them. You know what they're like. Everything's the same everywhere you go. The most exciting thing that happens are half-off sales, or at least that was the most important thing that happened in my mom's life. You know, you know they have pharmaceuticals that help people adapt to those places? Change their entire personality. I'm sorry, I, uh, I've never been inside one, is why I was asking. We don't have to talk about it. Well, wait, really? Never? 
No, I mean, I was born on one of these ships. Under bubble drive, actually. My ama died when I was really young, so I grew up with my dad. The legendary Mondragon and his daughter, traveling planet to planet. You know I used to fantasize about you? Oh, I, uh, you did? Indeed I did. When I found out you were going to be on the R.L. Carson, I did everything I could to get aboard. It was a bit of a disappointment when you turned out to be so obsessed with following rules. You wanted to be with me? Oh, yes. I mean, you've been to more of the Seated World than anyone, right? You've even been to Earth-1. It's not that great, really. It's as bad as they say? Worse. It's funny. Colonists will compare their skies to the blue of Earth-1. Earth-blue, they call it. Like they miss it. But Earth-1's skies are just smog. I've heard the oceans have more plastic than fish. True. Especially if you're talking fish and not just aquatic species. There's still stuff out there. Jellyfish, sea slugs. Some of the genetically modified oysters that are supposed to eventually clean it all. Look, I I don't want to talk about this either. What did you want to know about the fireflies? What species are they? How did you know they'd be on Despierto? What are your theories on where they came from? Well, I'm not sure where they're from, but... Well, I suppose the most plausible explanation is that an errant entomologist has been releasing them. But that just makes more questions about who that could be. Doubtful. Glass glass containers are automatically logged in most ship's systems. What are your less plausible ideas? They were here first. (laughs) Okay. That's impossible. We all know the Institute picked 51 uninhabited Earth-like planets for the seed pods. Do we? Just... You're right. Let's stick to the plausible. Let's say whoever it was actually managed to get them aboard without official detection. I still don't see how anyone could keep something like that secret from their captain. I take it your father was as nosy as you are? I thought we were going to talk about the fireflies. Right, yes. All business with you, isn't it? As for how I knew they'd be on Despierto, I didn't. But they're everywhere. I even found them on Tanagra. I thought you said you lived in a burb dome. I did. I also snuck out every time I could. But isn't that impossible? It's amazing how different our definitions of impossible are. You seem to think it means things that the desperate are capable of. Why would someone be desperate to release fireflies onto the seated worlds? I don't know. Because they're beautiful? Because it was one decision made for aesthetics instead of utility? Because without fireflies, the night can be just as dark as the emptiness of space. My puppy used to talk that way. That it's us against the void. That the universe appears to be a cold, empty place, and it's our duty to make it a little brighter. Maybe he knew about the fireflies. (laughs) No way. No. He wrote the charter, remember? He wouldn't have broken his own rules. But I bet he knew what species they were. I doubt that. You know... Just when I think I get the enigmatic Roman Jupiter, you go and say something like that. I doubt he knew what they were because, well, they're an unrecognized species. We're cleared for FTL Lane 23-B. We'll be bypassing nearby planet Graken to make our way to Zotsia. Zotsia, whatever they rename Planet 11. Our bubble drive engine is primed and ready to begin the mind-boggling process of stretching and shrinking space. I'll have the bridge for the next six hours, which means that when I'm done, I expect everyone's reports to be filed and ready for me to read. 
dropping to bubble in three, two, one. Oh, wow. The lights from the bubble is... Well, suddenly the light of a thousand fireflies doesn't hold a candle to the beauty across the table. I'm sorry, do you always stare like that when you're talking about insects? I guess it makes sense when faced with an unknown species, but then there's always unknown species on the planets, aren't there? My papa used to say life and bubble drive was proof the universe loved us. Did he? Yeah. He said that the universe had no business making things so beautiful. First, it made life itself, defying all logic to make something as beautiful as a butterfly. And then it coupled faster than light travel with this aurora show. It is gorgeous, isn't it? The way the lights play on your skin, the sound of condensed photons, or whatever the hell they are, tinkling against the hull and harmonizing with your angelic voice. How the colors roll through the curls of your hair. Truly, your father was a wise man. We live in the universe intent on creating beauty. What other force could cause such an elegant creature to sit across from me? This is nothing. You should see the captain's quarters. He had skylights and white walls. The whole room glows. Does it? <clears throat> we were talking about the fireflies. Your recorder is still going? Uh, yes. Well, then I'll have to get close so you hear it before anyone else does. Luciolinae solaris. You can't name it that. Well, there are hundreds of species named after beautiful, important women. But it's... Well, there's no record of El Solaris on any other world. It is as unique as you. A mysterious, powerful creature that brings light to the void. I, uh... Why are you looking at me like that? Behind a door on this ship, there is an entire room filled with this aurora. Oh, you wouldn't deny me such a sight, would you? Not after we swam with the lights of Luciolene Solaris kissing our skin. Maybe just a quick peek. No reason to rush. Okay, let me just... Nikki G as Catalina Mondragon. Nathan Doty as Roman Jupiter. Jim Dirks as Captain Julius McLean. J. Darius Mitchell as Kensei Ikamon Misuyama. Lisa Doty as Pharaoh Relcor. Produced and edited by Flavio Fox. Written and directed by J. Darius Mitchell. Please visit jdarrisMitchell.com for more. Or find me on Patreon. We've got goodies in the show notes for you, like Jay Darris Mitchell's Instagram and his homepage. And later, we'll have links to some audio dramas that he's been a part of and produced. Where are the show notes? The show notes show up right in your podcast player for your easy tapping. Not using a podcast player? Go back to the website where you downloaded this MP3, and there you'll find show notes in that webpage. The Interstellar Spring Series started in episode 212. If you missed the first episode, like my friend JJ, go type into your favorite web browser, scifithoughts.space, and there you will see a search box where you can type in the episode number and find it at your convenience. 
Next episode, more Jay Darris Mitchell. So it's like each season kind of has a, each episode should build into each other and then they kind of have like a, a finish at the end. For some reason, I, I just really wanted to try to do this totally in dialogue and totally with sound effects. And so neither one of these podcasts have a narrator. Like they're, it's just all dialogue. And that's just been a challenge that uh, I've really enjoyed doing. 